Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. Um, Before we get in the message, I want to let all the parents know if you have a child um, that is elementary age and and it's not, they're not a teen, it. Um, I have kids. I don't call them it. They are not, they are not teenagers. If they're teenagers, I want them here. However, if you have a child that is an elementary age, um, that's not in the mid-high range, um, I'm going to let you know this service is PG-13. They are welcome to stay here. But you may be answering some interesting questions that you weren't planning on answering when you came to Foundation Church today. Um, and so I just want to let you, don't get mad at me. I'm giving you the fair warning um, as we get ready to dive into our relationship series, The Love Guru. Um, this is, so teenagers don't leave. I know you're sitting by your parents and you want to throw up in your mouth already. Um, And parents are just like, please just get it over with. Um, But um, I really enjoyed awkward situations, especially when I'm not in them. So um, we're going to be talking about... I have to stay really focused on my notes today. Um, The title of my message is Sex, Fire Pits, and Construction Paper. Sex, Fire Pits, and Construction Paper. It's better than Fifty Shades of Graves that I was thinking about. (laughs) So. And that's why we're Ric Flaring today instead of amening. And and here's the deal. Here's what I love. I love that we're already laughing, right? Because this can become really, really awkward. This can become really, really embarrassing. Um, And and it shouldn't be. Uh, Today, I'm talking about sex, not to be shocking. Um, I I think some church pastors are like, we're going to take this to the extreme, you know? No, 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 no. There's no reason for that. Like, calm down. Um, uh, But for us to talk about something that really the culture, our culture has ran with this topic of sex and they own the narrative right now, right? Because the church hasn't done a good job talking about this. Pastors have not done a good job talking about this. We talk about everything in a relationship series, but sex. Why? Because it's weird, because we don't want to run anybody off, because we don't want to offend anybody, because we don't want to talk about it, because our kids are in the auditorium, right? Because, because all these different things. But, but this is a, an area, a huge area of relationships that, that what has happened is we have let our culture define the narrative of what sex is and isn't. And man, that can't be. 
That can't be. And so understand today, it's not about shock and awe. It's not about, uh, I, I don't have pictures. I don't have puppets. Um, there's not a laser pointer, um, nothing like that. But it's about, man, let's, let's hear what the word of God says about this. Because here's the reality, parents, we don't know what to do half the time. We don't know when to talk to our kids about it. Um, and, and this isn't gonna suffice for the talk. This is not the talk, okay? This is not that. But I remember like growing up and my dad waited till I was like a freshman in high school to talk to me. And he sat me down and talked to me. I'm like, I know, I know dad. And he's like, you do? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a freshman in high school. Yeah, like, hey, yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 and the reason we don't talk about it with our kids is because it's weird, right? It's awkward, it's embarrassing. We don't know what to say. We're looking for books, you know, that we can use to read together and that we can go through this together. And do we use puppets? Don't ever use puppets. It's not a good idea. Like, what? <laughs> Couples, we don't talk about it. Why? Because it's embarrassing. Because we feel guilty. Right, because usually something's lacking in our relationship when we're talking about sex in our marriage. And so what happens is we just hope that our relationship ends up good. We just hope our dating relationship ends up, we hope our teenager does good, we hope our college student, we hope our single child just lives it out in the right way, but we don't ever talk about it. And so today I want us as the church to start taking back the narrative of something that is a really big area and a really big part of life. And that's sex. And that's talking about it. And that's understanding it. And, and here's the deal. If we're going to do this God's way instead of culture's way, here's what I want us to understand. And it is the very first thing. We have to have a correct biblical view on sex. Right? We have to have a correct biblical view on sex. Here's why, here's why this point's so important. It's not about having the popular view. It's not about having the cool church point of view. Or the cool pastor. I stopped being cool at 30. Um, I just, you know, it's, it's not about having culture's view on sex, but what is the correct biblical view when it comes to sex? Growing up in church, all I knew about sex was that it was bad, right? That's all. Anytime it was talked about, bad, bad, awful, awful. Shh, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. You don't talk about it at home. You don't talk. And it, it's this taboo topic. And so you get married and you get to have sex, but you feel like you're doing something wrong, right? You feel like, you're like, well, I guess we can, but you know, you're, you don't know whether to be happy, whether to feel guilty. Like, you're just like, what's going on? I was happy, but still you're just like, I don't know, right? Because we, and, and here's what I want us to understand. Sex is a great thing. Yes. <laughs> it's a great thing. It is. Right? When we're doing it in the right context. When it is being lived out in a biblical, correct way. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 through 3 out of the message translation says this. Now, getting down to the question you asked in your letter to me, still laughing at the woo right now, um, in your letter to me, first, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Certainly, but only within a certain context. 
It's good for a man to have a wife and for a, hum, for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. And that scripture couldn't be more true. We are in a world that has such a warped view of what sex is, right? And here's what this passage says. It's certainly good to have sexual relations, but only within a certain context, right? So, so at my house, outside, we have a fire pit. We have a fire pit, and I love my fire pit. I love making fires. I love sitting by a fire. I can sit by a fire, and men, I don't know why we are built this way, but I can sit by a fire for like four hours, and it just go by, and it's like where I pray, it's where I get quiet, it's where I talk, I can talk to other people. I'm like, I love building fires, I like keeping it going, the whole thing, um, I, I, I just love it. But here's the deal, a fire is a great thing when it's in my fire pit, right? It's a beneficial thing, it keeps me warm. It's a great thing when it's in your fireplace, it keeps you warm. You can cook food on it. Let's talk about, I mean, what we're all saying is we can make s'mores, right? Like you can make s'mores on it. it it's, a, it's, a, it's pretty, it's great, it's beautiful. But when fire gets out of the right context, when it's not in a fireplace, when it's not in a fire pit, but it's in your drapes, it's a very destructive and damaging thing right? We know this. Fire is not a good thing when it's not in the right containment, when it's not in the right context. And sex is the exact same way. So many times we're saying, oh, oh it's, a, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. But, but hear me, it becomes destructive just like fire when it's not being contained in the context of which God created it to be and that's marriage. So here's what I'm saying. It's, it's not the right time for you to start having sex when you turn 16. All right? That's not, that's not the context of what God is saying. He's saying, what's the context? It's a, between a husband and a wife. It's in the context of marriage. It, it's not when you turn 18. It's not when you go to college. It's not when you graduate college. It's not when you meet the one, right? Like you're like, they're the one. I guess this is the time. No, 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 no. That's not the correct biblical view that God's given us when it comes to sex. And here's what we do though. Here's what, here's what we say. We exempt ourselves, right? Here's what I hear all the time. Well, we might as well be married, right? We've been, we've been together longer than a lot of married couples, then get married. You're not married. There's a difference between husband and wife and you wanting to be husband and wife. Make him put a ring on it, right? Woo, there you go. That, that, well, you know why? I, I'm old enough to handle it. This is what I love. Adults, we think the Bible is rules for our teenagers and college students, but we age out of it. No, you don't. Paul didn't put an age limit on this thing. Guess what? If you're divorced in this place, whether it was your fault or not, same rules still apply. You're 50 years old. Sorry. Same rules apply. 
well, we know each other just as well as other, other couples. That's fantastic. But the biblical view, the biblical containment for sex was that sex is a great thing when it's in the context of marriage. But when it's not in the context of marriage, hear me as your pastor today. It becomes destructive and damaging to your life. And my goal, my, my goal today as a dad, as a husband, but more importantly as your pastor, is to keep you from regret. Is to keep you from you hurting yourself and hurting others. And what I can tell you is this today. If you will operate in this area of your life, not as culture says, because they're in the narrative, not as your peers, not as your neighbors, but, but our lives are supposed to look different, right? Our, our life is supposed to be lived out counterculture. Like it's supposed to look different than the rest of the world is. And this part of our life just can't look the same as the rest of the world. It's got to look different. We can't keep compartmentalize our relationship with Jesus. Some of us are like, well, you know what? I'm old enough. You know, I, I can handle it. You're never too old to not burn yourself when you're holding fire. You're always going to get burned. You're never mature enough to not get burned by fire. You're never mature enough to handle sex when it's out of the context in which God created it and designed for it to be a great and beneficial thing for you. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. It says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. I love how the message translation reads it says, Honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line between casual and illicit sex. Here's the reality. Anything out of the context of marriage, it's that. And I know that's not popular. I know some of you, that's offensive to you today. But that's what the word of God, I would rather be biblically correct than be popular in my teaching. Right? And hopefully if you're here, it's about you wanting to be more like Christ and less like having your own way. Because here's what I know. I don't have to talk you into you knowing this is the right biblical way. I don't have to do that. But what we do is we keep trying to spin it and sell it to ourselves that it's not as bad as I'm making it when you know, you know, you know that's just not true. Because the second thing we've got to understand, if we're going to live this out and we're going to have this part of our life be lived out in a really great way, in a biblical way that brings benefit instead of destruction, is we've got to understand sex is a big deal, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. Sex is a big deal. We live in a culture that says, well, it's just sex, All right? We do. We live in a culture that has calloused us and made us just get used to it being just sex, Probably almost every TV show you watch, every movie you watch has some sort of sexual in the window, some sort of sex scene in it. And what do we do? Oh, it's just, just what's in movies. It's just what's in TV shows. It's just sex. And we've become callous to it, right? Think of this. When I Love Lucy came onto TV, they wouldn't even let Lucy and her husband, Ricky, I think is what his name was, 
sleep in the same bed because it was so woo racy. And look where we've come now. And we say it's okay for us to watch because why? It's just sex. And we've, we've bought into the lie that sex isn't that big of a deal. When sex is a huge deal. There's, there's a website actually right now. I'm not going to tell you the website. Um, but there's a website that actually has 50 million users worldwide that helps adults have affairs. 50 million users worldwide that is helping, assisting adults have affairs. It helps you with your alibis, helps you with your lies, helps you hook up, whatever you want to say, with other people. In fact, as I was studying this, there's a, there's a secret lover card collection, greeting card collection, that was created by a lady named Kathy Gallagher. This collection gives people involved in an affair a chance to recognize holidays, birthdays, anniversaries, apologies, breakups. One holiday card reads like this. As we celebrate with our families, I will be thinking of you. I'm like, when I read this, I almost threw up. I was like, are you kidding me? How did we come to this place as a culture? How do we, how do we get there? It's simple. We bought into life. It's just sex. It's not that big of a deal, but here's the truth. If sex wasn't that big of a deal, then when your spouse had sex with someone else, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But it's a big deal. It's a devastating deal. When you're in a relationship and you're dating somebody, even though you're not supposed to be having sex because you're dating or you're engaged or whatever it may be, right? And they go and have sex with someone else. It's a huge deal-breaking deal. Why? Because you know this to be true. Sex is a big deal. It's not just a physical action. It is a spiritual, mental, emotional, physical moment that you are having with someone else. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15 through 20 says, Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. We know that. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scripture says the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Run from sexual sin because no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. Why? Because you know this. And if you're selling yourself on anything but this, you're lying to yourself. Sex is a big, big deal. Got two pieces of paper here I glued together. All right, green, yellow, green, yellow. Um, both mean go at a stoplight, just so you know. Um, but, um, <clears throat> and I have, I, I glued these together, and you know what happens when you go to tear them apart, right? They just shred, right? There's, there's if I can even tear them apart. And, and here's the deal. When we have sex, and when we have sex within the confines of marriage, it bonds us together. 
right? But when we have sex outside of the context of marriage, this is what it does to our heart. This is what it does to our soul. It's what it does to our emotions. Why? Because it's way bigger than just physical. See, the, there's no such thing as safe sex outside of marriage. There's no birth control that can guard your heart. Man, when, when you join yourself, when you have sex with someone else outside of marriage, you're leaving a piece of your heart, a piece of your emotions, physically, emotionally, spiritually attached to someone else, and it tears you apart, all for a temporary relationship, all for something temporary. And here's the deal, for, for everybody that's not in a relationship, for all of you that are dating, for all of you that are engaged, all of you hear me, the only one that can put up boundaries and the only one that can keep this from happening to your life is you. Man, I would love to be able to put boundaries and guardrails up for my daughters. I can't, unless I'm riding in the back seat of every date they ever go on, right? Like, hey, what, <laughs> hey guys, just want to remind you guys I'm here. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Save room for the Holy Ghost, right? Like, no. <laughs> I can't do that for my girls. Your parents can't do that for you. This has to be something you do for yourself because, and here's why, because I understand, and you understand, when I do it God's way, it's always a better way, right? When I do it God's way, it doesn't look like this, but it's always better. And man, I've met so many people who've regretted that they didn't wait, that they regretted that they didn't do it his way, but I have yet to meet a person that regrets doing this aspect of life, living their life out in the realm of sex and doing it God's way that says, man, I really regretted waiting for the one person that I was gonna marry. Never met that person. Why? Because when you do it God's way, it's always a better way. So what guardrails, what boundaries do you, there's something you gotta do, are you gonna put up that ensures that you do it this way? that you do it his way. Now that's my sermon to all my singles, to all my dating, to all my engaged, to all my married couples. Not pretending to be married couples. Not waiting to be married couples. To all of my married couples, I want you to tune in, dial it up, because I wanna to talk to you for two seconds. Here's what I want you to know. When intimacy is scarce, temptation is abundant. When intimacy is scarce, temptation is abundant. And I'm not just talking about temptation to cheat. Oh, he better not. Oh, she better not. Like, no, no, no. I'm not just talking about the temptation to cheat. I'm talking about the temptation to get angry. The temptation to become resentful. The temptation to just become indifferent and not care. And when that happens, you're in big trouble. Your relationship is in Big trouble, and when, when intimacy is not happening within the marriage, I'm telling you something, other things are. And there is temptation that is abundant because something, if this is such a big deal outside of marriage, hear me married couples, then it's gotta be a big deal in the marriage. 
It's got to be a big deal that it is happening in your marriage. That means, let me read between the lines here a little bit. Anybody else getting thirsty? That means this. It's got to be a regular thing instead of an occasional thing. Woo! Um, it's got to be a regular thing. It can't, it can't be an anniversary thing. Can't be, oh, it's her birthday. Oh, it's his birthday, right? No, 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 no. Uh, Valentine's Day, right? No, 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 no. Can't be an occasional thing. It's got to be something that, that if this is, if this, newsflash, sex is a great thing in the context of marriage. It is a beautiful, great thing when it's happening in the context of marriage. And it bonds you together. And if this is true, if this is, then it can't be an occasional thing. It's got to be happening on the regular. Let's go back to our text out of the message translation, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1 through 6. Now, getting down to the question you asked in your letter to me, first, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Certainly, but only within a certain context. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it and for it's the purpose of prayer and fasting. Some of you have been praying a lot. Um, but only for such times. Then come back together again. Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. I'm not understand commanding these periods of abstinence, praise God, only providing my best counsel if you should choose them. So here's what I want us to understand from this text, and, and we'll move on. First thing is this. Sex can't be a reward or a punishment. Sex can't be a reward or punishment. Well, that messes our whole system up. <laughs> How am I going to get him to do anything at the house? Like sex. <laughs> Hear me. <laughs> sex can't be a reward or punishment. You can't take sex away because you got mad. Can't. Because you didn't get your way. Because the moment it becomes a reward or a punishment thing is the moment you're manipulating and weaponizing sex. You are. It's no longer a beautiful thing. It's a weaponized thing. Well, if you're treating your spouse like a puppy, right? If you do what I want, you get a treat. If you don't pee where I tell you to pee, if you don't pee with the seat down, if you don't, you know, like, if, if you don't do what I want you to do, fall in the water at night. I don't care. Anyways, if you don't do what I want you to do, no treat for you. No sex for you. It can't be a reward and punishment thing. Because the moment we do that, we have manipulated and weaponized it. And it is not about us serving one another. It's about us getting our way and manipulating one another. The second thing is this. 
It's about it being a relationship and partnership, not a dictatorship. If one of you is in control of when you have sex, how many times you have sex, the calendar of sex, whatever, whatever your, your, your go-to is, I don't know, I don't know. Can I tell you, it's a dictatorship and not a relationship. It's gotta be about you meeting one another's needs. And husbands, it says this, whether in bed or out, you want things to happen in the bedroom, you start serving her outside the bedroom. <laughs> well played, ma'am, well played. <laughs> it's true. You want romance in the bedroom? You better be romantic outside the bedroom. It's true. And here's the deal. Just because this is not about, here, we need to define this for a second. This is a whole, it's a whole conversation. That's a whole nother sermon. It doesn't mean that you get to have sex every day, guys. It's about her servant. No, no, no. It's about, you got to be reasonable in this. Right? Like, we, we, we've got to come together as a couple and as a partnership. And what's, what's realistic? What's, what's realistic? And here it is. And we're going to talk about this next week. Communication. Communication is key. Where there is a breakdown in communication, there's a breakdown in your relationship. There has never been a relationship that has broken down due to over-communication. Never seen it. I've never seen it. We just communicated way too great and we just grew apart. Doesn't happen. <laughs> We're talking about that next week, but hear me. This is one of those areas you got to talk about. You got to come together. You got to have a strategy because hoping it gets better is not going to work. It's not going to work. You, you just praying about it. Man, I'm all about prayer, but man, I want to see some things happen too. <laughs> So you better communicate and you better understand that this is a partnership, not a dictatorship. And the other thing is this, you gotta understand your role. As their spouse, you are the only person that can meet this need, or at least you better be. Because where, where, where intimacy is scarce, temptation is abundant. You are the only person that God has given that husband, that wife, to meet that need and to fill that role. And so it's, I love what my wife says. It's not just enough to know the need. I've got to respect the need, right? So that means I've got to respect and meet it because she can know it and be like, oh, I'm sure you do want to have more sex. Oh, I'm sure, you know, yeah, you do. I'm sure you sure you do need that more. You know, oh, sure, Casey. I'm sure you need more time to talk and talk and have coffee and talk. I'm sure it's just great. No, no, no. It's not enough for me to know that she needs time and needs to communicate and needs to talk. I got to respect that and meet that need. And here's the reality we like to work on all the other parts of our marriage, or maybe we don't like to, but we're willing to. But when it comes to this area, it gets weird. It gets funky. Why? Because that's how ingenious Satan is, right? He took something that God created and intended to be great. He's made it this weird, awkward conversation that we don't know how to function with it in a biblical, correct way. And as your pastor, man, I'm telling you, it's way better when you do it God's way and when you work in your marriage, especially in this area, 
as you do all the other aspects than if you just hope that it gets better. So what do you do if you're here? And I know, I know, there's, it's gotta be a lot of people that you're like, man, I haven't, mm -mm, I haven't been doing it. I've been doing things just not that way, right? Like, like I haven't been doing this the biblical way. And, and this is what my life, this is what my heart, this is what my soul looks like, it feels like. What do I do? What do you do if you've messed up? Is it too late? Do you just keep going on? Here's what the Bible says. Romans 6, 1 through 2, and verse 12 through 13. Well, then, should we keep on sinning? All right, so God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So don't let sin control the way you live, and don't give in to sinful desires. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely, all aspects of your life, give yourself completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole life, your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. Why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Come, Isaiah 1, 18, come now, let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. If your life feels like this, can I tell you, this is what God offers. This is what he specializes at. And you may be like, babe, Justin, it's too late. No, nothing is too late. But Justin, I've gone too far. No, you have not gone too far. Don't you be that arrogant to think your mess up is too big for God to clean up. God is capable, amen, to do immeasurably above what you could ever ask or think. So don't keep going the wrong way expecting to get to the right destination. But understand, God's got something new for you today. You've just got to choose to take a hold of it. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you that you are patient and you're kind and you're understanding. But God, also, you give us direction. You give us instruction so we don't have to wander around knowing what to do, knowing the right way to go. But you instruct us on which way to go. And so, Lord, I pray for every person that is in this place and they're single. Lord, I pray for every person that's dating, for those couples that are dating, for those couples that are engaged. And God, I know that this is not a popular message right now. But Lord, I pray that we would have a biblical view when it comes to this area of our life because this area, this whole sex thing is a big deal. And God, I pray that we would view it as such that we wouldn't get callous, that we wouldn't get used to it, we wouldn't take our cues from culture and society, but we would take our cues from you because Lord, there's a better way to live this side of our life out. And when we do things your way, it's always, it's always, it's always better. It's not that it's easier, but it's better. So Lord, I pray, don't let us fool ourselves. Don't let us deceive ourselves today. Let us understand we're the only ones that can do this for us. 
But let us choose to follow your word in every aspect of our life. And Lord, I pray for every couple, married couple that's in this place. But Lord, sometimes this is a struggle in our relationships. And Lord, this is one of those areas we've got to fight for. And so Lord, I pray instead of fighting about it, let us fight for it. God, instead of arguing and accusing one another, let us fight for this sacred area of marriage that gets so corrupted easily, that gets so twisted and distorted. But Lord, this is something you created, you designed to be a benefit, to be great in marriage. So Lord, I pray that that would be the reality of our relationships, the reality of our marriages, that it would be a strong spot instead of a weak spot. And Lord, I pray that we would do the work and we would be willing to put the work in because great marriages don't just happen, they're fought for. It's in Jesus' name I pray, with heads bowed and eyes closed today. If you're here, you say, Justin, I'm here, and man, you're talking about your life being splintered. And when you tore those sheets of paper apart, it's like, that's me. That's, that's, that's me. Man, where I'm at, I, I know it's not where I should be. And I need to change. Where I'm at, man, I, I need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe it's your first time or maybe it's recommitting your life today. But if that's you, when I count to three, all I want you to do is raise your hand and we're gonna lead you in a prayer to change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah. Yeah, is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me today. You join these two hands that are lifted before we go any further in service today. Yep, I see you. You join these three hands that are lifted today. Yeah. Anyone else? You join these four hands that are lifted today before we go any further in this service today. You say, Justin, that's me. Hear me. I mean, we're not gonna embarrass you. We're not gonna have you stand up or lead you into another room. We're just gonna lead you in a prayer that will change your life. Is there anyone else? You join these four hands that are lifted. Maybe you're at home watching online and that's you. I just encourage you to raise your hand, send us an emoji, let us know that you made a decision today. Is there anyone else before we go any further in service? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And God, I confess that I've sinned, that I've messed up, but I turn away from that life and I ask for your forgiveness. I repent of it and I turn to you and I grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. It is in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.
We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.